Well, it was a volatile week last week. Could it be more of the same this week? Well, it's either going to be more positive vaccine news or more concern over rising COVID news. And maybe there's still a little readjustment to the rotation in equities that we saw last week. And then there's Brexit. Is this the crunch week of all crunch weeks? Or can we squeeze in one more crunch week next week? Can't go on forever, can it? It's Monday, the 16th of November, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, generally, I guess it was risk-off mood last week, although there was an enormous amount of volatility. There was the vaccine news, but also there was the rising COVID numbers, no Brexit progress, and a president who refuses to concede. So not a great deal changed there. Uh, there's been a lot of shifting and focus in equity markets as well. Last week, the Dow was up 4%, but the Nasdaq down half a percent, with Europe playing catch-up, with the Eurostoxx 50 up over 7%. Uh, the ASX 200 was also up 3.5% last week. And the pound, the Aussie dollar, and the yen made the most gains on Friday, up around half a percent each, but the DXY index of the the US dollar was down a quarter percent. But over the week, the DXY was up 0.6%. The Japanese yen was down 1.2% and the Aussie and the UK pound uh, only up about uh, 0.2% over the week. The big winner across the week was actually the Kiwi dollar, which was up over 1% as the idea of negative interest rates faded from view. On bonds, well, a a 7.8% uh, basis point rise in 10-year US Treasuries over the week, but a 12.5% rise in Aussie 10-year yields as well. And oil rising over the week. Brent and WTI both up more than 8%. Iron ore up 2.7%, although it did fall a little on Friday. Uh, so that was then. Another volatile week seems likely. The VIX index, though, the volatility index right now, is the lowest it's been since August. But it, it is pretty volatile itself. Ray Atrell is with me today, head of FX strategy at NAB in Sydney, trying to make sense of all of this. Uh, so is this week going to be like last week? Ups and downs for, car- for everything, really, wasn't it? Currencies, equities, bond yields. Uh, or are we going to see a bit more calm this week? It doesn't seem likely, does well- it? Who knows? I guess it's the short answer. It was certainly a choppy week, wasn't it, last week? And um, um, but obviously, you know, the key takeaway was that the the, the Pfizer BioNTech news certainly carried the week. Certainly, as far as equities and bonds were concerned, so they're certainly willing to uh, to uh, overall look through the you know increasingly grim news on virus infections, particularly in the US, which I think on Friday um, looked like there'd be something like one hundred and eighty thousand. It was only what. Two weeks ago, that we we hit the hundred, we hit the hundred thousand mark. Hundred eighty-eight thousand, um, yeah. Four million mm-hmm. Americans currently have it. That 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 is the. I mean, the numbers are the average yeah. daily death rate is over one thousand one hundred. It was actually one thousand two hundred sixty on Saturday. They've now got the most COVID nineteen patients in U.S. hospitals since the the pandemic right. began. So it is bad it news. Is. And then a president who says, as long yeah. as he's president, yeah. they're not going to have any lockdowns. Yes, that said, the take you know the takeaway from markets is that you know as we say, it's a cliche. Mm-hmm. Markets are forward looking, and and certainly you know the prospect of you know it's the second half of next year, if not the first half of next year, there being you know. Uh, potentially multiple effective vaccines, and, and certainly that's the message coming from the uh, uh, the Turkish scientist who is the uh, you know the lead scientist on the whole BioNTech uh, project. Has been speaking pretty optimistically. I've been reading quite a lot of uh, stuff from him over the weekend, and uh, he certainly sounds believable at least. Um, you know, against that, there's a question of you know can the market see through what could be you know at least a couple of quarters of, 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 of 
negative economic news relating to the uh, to the spread of the virus. So, um, and you know, never underestimate the mar- the ability of the markets to discount the same news multiple times. So, I think a key <laughs> focus this week is obviously going to be um, Moderna and uh, whether or yeah. not they will publish results that are akin to those that we had from uh, from Pfizer BioNTech. And if we do, I suspect that that is going to provide you know potentially a further yeah. lift to to risk assets at least. And and uh, then there's also Oxford and AstraZeneca. You know, any day now they may come out with something as well. So it adds to more of it. And then uh, Pfizer, will they get the emergency youth authorization? Well, that's the other so, thing I was yeah, going to say. So the suggestion mm. is that, um, you know, that could come by the end of the week at least. So, um, mm. you know, so, you know, we have got uh, a few a few doses of potentially, you know, positive news, pardon yeah. the pun. And if we do, um, you know, I suspect that that is going to triumph over whatever sort of economic or other uh, political news we see this yeah. week. But it's unusual, isn't it, for the markets to look two, possibly three quarters ahead when, you know, there's potentially very bad news in the way. So we've got the New York governor holding an emergency summit this this weekend. We haven't heard anything from him. In fact, he said he's not not going to announce any new restrictions until Monday. But we've got Oregon and New Mexico have announced two uh, new two-week lockdowns. And then, you know, other states' restrictions are being introduced as well. Uh, so not a national lockdown, but, you know, localised lockdowns mean no federal government money is coming to help out as well. So you can only assume that, you know, the, those, that, that upward tracking we've seen in the employment numbers is, is going to take a, a turn in the opposite direction if we see more of this sort of thing going on. No, I think that's actually true. And the same going back to what we're saying, I think I think markets can stomach a couple of quarters of, uh, of negative economic news. That seems to, yeah. the rule of thumb is the equity market is telling you what the world might look like in six months' time. Although I think the divorce between the real economy and financial world since the crisis has been. Uh, widened up more than I think it ever has done in modern history, in my view. Um, and, you know, I, I think the other thing will be, you know, are there, what are the prospects of getting some more fiscal support? Again, I think markets will be far more inclined to look through the economic news if they think there's a chance of some kind of a, a fiscal stimulus being cobbled together during this lame duck session. And, and the omens there, are, you know, are not particularly positive. It doesn't look like the you know, the White House has sort of washed its hands of things for the time being and told effectively that the Senate, um, Senate Republicans to get on with, you know, discussions with, uh, with Nancy Pelosi and, and House, uh, and House mm. Democrats, but whether they're actually going to resolve anything in the next couple of months, I think is still an important swing factor for, uh, for market sentiment. Well, Donald Trump's focus is elsewhere, isn't it? You know, just a few hours ago, a uh, fairly short tweet, all in block caps, rigged election, we will win, exclamation mark. So, uh, Which is interesting, sure isn't it? Because on, uh, on what, Friday night, New York, Friday early evening, New York time, so early Saturday morning, our time, um, you know, we had that uh, that comment that's been scrutinised to the nth degree where um, the quote is, this administration will not be going to a lockdown. Hopefully, the whatever happens yeah. in the future, who knows which administration it will be, I guess time will tell, was seen as the closest uh, thing that... Uh, Closest to Donald Trump has come to uh, to conceding that he may have lost, yeah, but um, he seems will. to be backtracking so, as far as yeah, the yeah. Uh, the tweets we've had since then suggest. So, will we see a bit more rebalancing then this week? If uh, you know, if I guess it does get down to who wins that battle between uh, uh, sort of optimism on the on the virus uh, on the vaccine versus pessimism on the on the virus. But, you know, we saw that big shift, didn't we? Like the fact that NASDAQ is down so much. The Russell 2000, the small cap index, rose over 2% on Friday. Now, you'd think more lockdowns would assume you know, it's going to hurt small business. They've got the most to lose from that sort of thing. And yet there we are, equities rising. No, absolutely. So that, you know, the rotation's been the sort of, you know, the buzzword or the cliche, hasn't it, for a couple of mm. weeks now. And uh, again, so I think a view on the longevity of, you know, new 
um, you know, self-imposed or, um, you know, or ordered social distancing measures, particularly in the US, you know, will play to the view, well, if you've got, you know, if we've got uh, six to 12 months of that, then you would think that the, uh, what are now called the stay-at-home stocks, so some of the key uh, fangs, for example, um, you know, would be relative beneficiaries. But for the time being, again, I think markets are, you know, prepared to look uh, look beyond what the next couple of quarters would bring. And that would mean that um, you still expect the sort of small caps um, and maybe the industrials, financials were doing pretty well on Friday as well uh, to maybe continue outperforming. But I think trying to pick the... Uh, you know the day-to-day volatility in, in stocks on a relative basis across sectors is a is a pretty challenging task, I have to say. Well, well, financials doing well, and uh, and maybe small caps as well, because there's an expectation that the Fed is going to do more. Because if you look at the uh, inflation numbers uh, in the US on Friday, uh, core inflation down to one point six percent year on year, flat for the month. Is similar story for core producer prices the fed's still fairly dovish of course isn't it they certainly don't have to worry about inflation so and there's no fiscal help coming so presumably they are going to do more is there an expectation from uh, from equity markets that that's coming um, well, certainly, that's it. I think the December meeting, the last of the year, is going to be, you know, is going to be an important one. And the suggestion has been for some months now that, in the absence of um, any agreement on a on a fiscal deal, um, you know, this side of year end, then that is going to put more onus on the Fed in terms of, um, you know, potentially doing something. Which, you know, if it does, it'll probably be a tweak to its QE bond buying program that would have the effect of probably um, putting a further lid or, or dampening longer end yields. But that is you know, not what the financial sector is telling you. One of the reasons the financials have done uh, well last week is because the yield curve, you know, obviously, again, a volatile week for bonds. But overall, we've got somewhat steeper curves and steeper yield curves are, you know, good for bank profitability. You know, we borrow mm-hmm. short and we lend long. And uh, the steeper that curve is, the better it does for uh, for banks earnings. So so perhaps there's a little there's a little bit of a you know, maybe a, a contradiction, if you like, or markets are moving slightly to their own tune, I would say. And then if the Fed were to come out with something, the effect of which is going to be to, to reflatten the yield curve, um, that in itself would not be good news for the financial sector. But um, but say, I think markets are to some extent marching to their own tune. And look at the dollar. I mean, we had a, an, uh, in, in the end an up week for, for risk assets, and we've come to associate that with US dollar weakness. Um, and yet the US dollar, you know, although it was down on Friday, was actually up on the week. So um, I think mm-hmm. it's a, perhaps a little bit of a perilous exercise. So well, if equities go up, the dollar will go down and uh, you know and bond markets will necessarily go up so we've got to be a little bit cautious in looking across different asset classes i think it's going to be an interesting week for the pound isn't it so uh, we had on friday uh, boris johnson's chief advisor the brexit architect dominic cummings uh, packing his belongings and walking out of number 10 with the uh, pretty nice timing with the the clock ticking and the alarm about to go out uh, over over brexit uh, and look, you know, no talks took place over the weekend, even though the, there's the EU summit on Thursday this week, which was supposedly the last chance saloon. Uh, David Frost, the UK's chief negotiator, tweeted over the weekend that a deal has to take control of, uh, allow the UK to take control of laws, trade and waters. And uh, he says this has been our consistent position from the start and I will not be changing it. Sounds like no one is giving uh, any uh, room for manoeuvre on this. And, you know, if the EU leaders are going to come together and agree a legal text, that text has to be based on an agreement that hasn't been reached yet. 
They're still arguing over fish quotas. I mean, the crunch week has to be this week if they're going to get it done before the end of the year, doesn't it? What do you have thought so? Although I was reading, <coughs> excuse me, I was reading um, stuff at the end of last week. They're saying that, um, you know, the 19th, which is that EU summit, which is Thursday this week, isn't it? You know, may not yeah. be the hard deadline that, um, that it was sort of set up to be. So, um, you know, we could well be into next week and still, you know, still going on and still the EU said, oh, there's still time to, to ratify a deal. But, you know, just coming back to, um, you know, obviously Dominic Cummings, um, you know, resignation or, or firing, I don't know which one it was, but, uh, and the fact that he's, you know, he's exiting immediately rather than later in the year, you know, it obviously does raise the prospects of, uh, you know, of, of the Prime Minister actually, you know, making, you know, some kind of concession um, you know, yeah. necessary to get a deal over the line. But, um, but David Frost, you know, is, you know, is a staunch Brexiteer um, who is running that process. And then obviously his comments at this stage saying that uh, if it's going to be a shift in, in attitude, it's clearly not going to come from him, is it? It's going to have to come from his boss, actually. Uh, and I suspect, yeah. you know, we were talking to Gavin last week saying it may take a, something like a, you know, a three-way hookup between uh, Angela Merkel and um, Emmanuel Macron and Boris Johnson together to really nut some compromise out at, at a high level. Um, and then it goes back, obviously, to the uh, to those that are doing the nuts and bolts negotiation so that, that i think is the best prospect of something but um i think markets mm. are traveling with a bit of a been a bit of skepticism that something will happen as early as thursday and, well, think, and unless it's a hard yeah, hard, think, hard deadline sort of no one believes it and the history of uh, you know policy making yeah, is yeah, the eu will, uh, will i think boris johnson is supposed to be saying something on monday he's supposed to be talking about green policy but maybe uh, what you know it uh, but maybe he's tying that in with brexit as well we'll see look uh, today chinese retail sales and industrial production numbers for october we get norwegian trade balance if you're interested in that we get uh, the new york manufacturing get fed's manufacturing index for november japan's q3 gdp and philip lowe is going to be talking as well today ahead of the rba minutes tomorrow what's he going to be saying well i'm not sure we're going to learn anything more that uh, you know the RBA has been pretty forthcoming, hasn't it, and, and pretty open with its mm. commentary. So I'm not sure we'll learn anything more from that. I think the Chinese numbers will be key to setting up the week, and uh, I think the retail sales and the extent to which the consumer that's been lagging the uh, the overall recovery in the Chinese economy, um, if that number you know, moves higher in year on year terms, which is expected, I think that will be a, a good news story at least from a sentiment point of view. And uh, and I say the first of the uh, the manufacturing um, PMIs, and obviously manufacturing has been you know the the area that's held up if we can't go uh, if we can't go out um spending on services and restaurants then we've been buying more stuff haven't we and that's why that you know and so we get the first indication of whether that was still the case in the uh, in the new york state area with that empire number um, well, some some more positive results on vaccines uh, and, uh, you know, slowing of uh, the, the, the spread of the virus and a Brexit resolution. It's going to be a great week. Why don't we start it on a positive note, Ray? Let's do that. I'm all up for that. So, uh, yes, have a good week, everyone. All right. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers, Phil. Just don't hold us to account if it all goes pear-shaped. Uh, that's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.